We'll cross the streams. Excuse me, Egon. You said crossing the streams was bad. Cross the streams, track listing for episode one, your first full episode from Kip and Kate Ione on the Cross the Stream podcast today. Excited to have an interview segment with Orlando Magic assistant coach David Adelman. In David's interview, you'll be able to hear his story, his coaching history, so to speak, from his time at Jesuit High School all the way through Lincoln High School and then the big jump to the Minnesota Timberwolves and now obviously with the Orlando Magic and coach Frank Vogel. We'll hear David's thoughts on the communication methods and some ideas he uses uh, to maintain constant contact and communication with his NBA professional players, as well as his thoughts on his cross-the-stream moment in his coaching profession. When did he have to make a risky move and make a jump that maybe a lot of people wouldn't have done themselves, but it worked out for him in the long run? Kane and I will follow up that great interview with Coach Adam with our own reactions and some things we think are important to take from the interview and what Adelman had to say. And follow that up with a segment we'd like to call Way Back When, talking about how people nowadays, compared to when he and I were growing up, consume music. Uh, so that might be more of a segment dealing with our technological deficiencies, but we're excited about it. Way Back When, uh, following the David Adelman interview in the reaction segment today. First full episode, Cross the Streams podcast. <laughs> All right, back in the interview section of the Cross the Stream podcast, a great guest tonight, very lucky to have him, somebody that I go back with a long ways to when both of us thought we were the best coaches in the world at the Pro Hoop Camp, Pro Classic, back in the day, Coach David Adelman of the Orlando Magic staff. Coach, how are you today? I'm doing well. Doing well. Glad to be talking to Kip. Hey, man. And I was thinking about this today when I was trying to figure out all the questions I could throw at you. It would be amazing if we would go back and you knew the name of that camper from camp. One of the best, most talented girls at camp, and Dave pushed her. Boy, he pushed her. I'm not sure she liked him. But he won a, he won a solid Pro Classic Championship, which we were keeping score in our early 20s of how many of those we racked up. <laughs> yeah, I had that, especially the, the girls' weeks. I racked up a lot of chips. <laughs> the Grizzlies might have been the most fun. I didn't make a lot of friends. Oh, <laughs> uh, but we, we're really lucky to have Coach Dave with us tonight. He's coming to us from Vegas, checking out some more of the NBA Summer League action. Uh, we'll try to pick his brain a little bit about that later too. But uh, really, Coach, you know, for people out there that don't know you, you know, they probably recognize your last name, but maybe not specifically your coaching story. Um, and obviously, like I mentioned, I, I'm lucky enough to have known you back when we were both in the NCA League of Pro Hoop Camp instead of where we are today. So if you could just give us your kind of rise and, and where you've been and the stops you've made along the way yeah um you know i had a, i had a lot of great fortune a lot of uh amazing mentors but uh, i played at jesuit high school in portland and uh you know that's a, one of the better programs in the state uh ran by one of the better coaches in the state uh Absolutely. coach gene potter and when i was done uh playing there i kind of went off i wasn't really sure what i wanted to do and i was lucky uh that he he talked me into doing some camps, um, and I, I took that, and I started doing camps with you guys there at Willamette. Um, you know, I, I found my voice a little bit, mm-hmm. and when you find your voice in anything, you start to think, like, maybe it's something I really want to look into, it's something I want to do. Um, and I was lucky, you know, I grew up around it, you know, mm-hmm. everybody in my family, right. teachers or coaches, uh, obviously my dad's well known as a coach, but we it wasn't like something where you know, I ever thought, like, I'm going to do this because he coached. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was Gene. You know, Gene saw something in me and um, thought I could be good at it. 
and uh, started up with them. And I, you know, that was a total, you know, lucky thing because mm-hmm. they didn't add people to that staff, and yeah. they added me to it, and they let me, you know, coach and practice and find my way. Um, you know, we had a ton of success there, and you know, that's where it started for me. Is you, you just you're lucky to end up around great people. And one, a guy that really looked out for me and Coach Potter, but also, you know, saw, saw talent in me. And mm-hmm. that, you know, and then that really translated for me. And I, I kind of took it, you know, I took it and I realized, you know, this is something I could really do. I could really make something out of this. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, everybody wants to be a head coach. You think you know everything until you are one. <laughs> and yeah, I got lucky. You know, we, we won a lot of Jesuits. And I, I applied for Lincoln High School in downtown Portland. And I saw something there. I thought that could be a place they could win. And we, I, I was lucky. I got the job. And we, we really turned the program around. We made some runs uh, close to the state championship. Mm-hmm. We, we lost two Jesuits. I was about to say, you <laughs> ran into the mentor there. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I, I lost. I lost six times. <laughs> so I, I, maybe, the, maybe the talent wasn't exactly equal but it was close enough and yeah. I learned a lot about what I didn't know uh, during those playoff games and building the program and you know it's, it's when you really when you really find out about yourself is when you're a head coach and you, you realize that all these things in your mind that you thought you could do or that would work out well it don't work like that right you know you, you don't get to decide the players you have and what their strengths are and their weaknesses are and you got to work with what you got and you learn a lot about yourself and you know how you manipulate a little bit mm-hmm. and try to find ways to get guys to play better and play better together um, but you also got to find out like man I need to go learn yeah I don't I don't know enough um, but I took that and I, and I had a you know and then I got a lucky break you know, my dad's in the NBA he had asked me to to come and do player development and video and I honestly pretty much said no a couple times I, really? I like coaching my own program yeah, yeah. I, I really I really uh, loved building the program mm-hmm. and I, it's you know you but then you look at it and it's it's the lights and the, the whole thing in yeah. the NBA and um but it, what it came down to for me was just having a chance to coach with my dad was so unique yeah um and I, I looked at it like that and so I took it and uh, I've been really you know I've been really fortunate I, I worked with him in the NBA and then I got elevated to an assistant under Flip Saunders and coach passed away and then I, I was elevated again under Sam Mitchell um, and, you know, anyway, long story short, I ended up with Coach Vogel in Orlando. Um, and so it's, I, I didn't really know what to expect when I got into the NBA, and, and I've been lucky. You know, I've had things go my way, and, um, you know, you just you just take every day in the NBA like, hey, like, I could get fired tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I could be back doing something else soon. So I'm fortunate. You know, it's been yeah. a crazy ride over the last 10 years. And, and, and kind of some of the things you mentioned in there that, that sound, you know, similar to somebody like and laying out the philosophy you kind of found for yourself and that part about getting better every day. Obviously, we preach that to players no matter the level or the sport. Is that something you see applied not just by you but by other coaches in, in the league, which is obviously the top level of our profession? Is that a common mantra? Is that something that's helped you because it's unique to what you're bringing to the table? Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. I, but I really, I, I think with that, which is kind of the same thing, is you have to have great self-awareness. Mm-hmm. You, you have you have to know, it's just like anybody else in any line of work or, or any line of life. Like, you, you got to know what room you're in and how to speak in that room. Mm-hmm. And, and you need to, social skills, 
are so key, and you got to be self-aware. And part and that's part of learning and getting better every day. Mm-hmm. You know, you you in the NBA, I probably I probably coached. You know, it's it's just a you know guys are going in and out the door. You, you see guys, you coach them for two months, and then they get traded, or and you get new personalities in every day. And, and a lot of it, if it's going to work, it's because of you. It's not the players. And that's part of getting better every day. Is, is how do I how do I reach this person? Mm-hmm. That's completely different, you know, than the person that just walked out the door. Yeah. Um, I found that to be something I remind myself every day is, you know, one, you, you don't you don't know everything, you never will. And two, you know, how can I be the best person and best coach and best motivator and best friend as far as a friend goes with the coach player relationship? Yeah. But how can I how can I do that every day and how can I improve every week? Yeah. And you gotta take note of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's—I think you're—you end up being the most important person. You got to call yourself out privately more than, you know, pointing the finger around at everybody else. Yeah. In the, do you do you think some of that, especially the part you you mentioned, how am I going to deal with this particular player who may be completely different than the one I just had? Did you feel like building your high school program gave you some prep work for that, or is it so different between the younger athlete and the professional athlete? Uh, it's, it's, it's very similar. And then it's also very different at the same time, you know, that you deal with the, the money part of the NBA and the agents and the guys that hang around and mm-hmm. the entourage stuff. And you're trying to take care of these, their kids. Yeah. Um, but the, the similarities are, are striking in the sense of, you know, you, you have to, you really have to care about getting to know people. And mm-hmm. I really believe that you have to be interested in life from all different aspects. You know, you got you got to be okay with making fun of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I'm co- I'm 36 now, and I'm coaching guys in the league that are half my age. Yeah, and right. I'm I'm considered a young assistant coach right. in the NBA. But you know, we just drafted Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac's 19. Oh my goodness! So yeah. I have to, you know, I have to take a step back and go. How am I going to talk to this kid? You know, yeah. if we go out to dinner. We're not. Gonna, he's not just gonna be texting on his phone or, or hitting Instagram, whatever he's doing. Right. I gotta be able to have a conversation with this kid, mm-hmm. and, I, and that's important. You know, that's really important. Yeah, that, that's that's impressive. I think that that term you said, "know what you don't know." Is, is something that I think coaches, we would love our guys to know that, but like you mentioned, very rarely do I think, or maybe even not enough, do we flip it on ourselves and admit, you know what, this issue might be on me. Um, so I, that, that's impressive hearing that from you, who at, who at the top level, I'm sure some of that admission of that might be a, a job security situation. Yeah, and I, and I think it's at anything, when you're, at, when you're the head coach or you're working in the NBA and, and there's, you know, there's a million people that want your job. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that I found I've had more success. You know, when I'm willing to to be the person in the room that says, well, "I don't know." Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, there's other times yeah. where I do know. You know, yeah. I'm 100 percent, and I know something, and I can explain it and teach it and all those things. But you know, I try to take a ledger every week. You know, during the season, I, every if I can, you know, the NBA is tougher yeah. because of our schedule. But I try to every Sunday night write down each player's name and just get just write down a quick you know a couple sentences about how the week went with me Mm -hmm. you know and a lot of times when you do that you end up realizing like man i didn't even talk to that kid this week Mm. i I didn't i didn't reach out to this kid right we didn't you know we we had a bad week right or whatever it is right it's a good way to check yourself 
Absolutely. That's a, that's a fantastic idea. Uh, you you kind of hit on it, and, and maybe I, some of us might guess what your particular cross-the-stream moment was. Uh, but for you, in looking back professionally, and the theme of the, of the podcast is always um, people tell you, like the Ghostbusters movie. Now, you're 36. I'm 38. So we both saw Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Don't cross the streams, but they did, and it took down the Marshmallow Man. Um, so what's your, what's your professional cross the stream moment where people were telling you, you know what, David, that's insane. Or maybe just the majority of folks thought, uh, that's a risky move and you did it anyway. Yeah, it probably would be, and I know it sounds, people are like, you're crazy for even saying this. Um, but accepting, you know, to go to the NBA Mm -hmm. in the sense of, you know, start over you know, at the bottom of the totem pole, mm-hmm. um, going there com- completely to learn something new and leaving behind, you know, something you're creating. And I, and I know that sometimes you get so wrapped up and well, you know, you make this much money or, and you know, at the time I was, I probably ended up making the same amount of money. My first year in the NBA and I was making it at working Man. at Lincoln and coaching at Lincoln. Okay. Um, but it really was about like, you know, when you're creating something, that's a big deal. Like it's your, it's your thing. And yeah. you're creating it with other people you like being around every day. And I was going to throw that away, knowing that if I take this job, everybody's going to tell me, everybody around me when I'm not in the room is going to say, well, his dad hired him, he's just going, he's going to work for his dad. Right. So I knew that if I went, I'd have to, I had to prove it to myself that I could coach in the league for other people and prove that to other people, like, no, like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. it was a it was a risk, you know. I, I could have came home and people would have you know stereotyped it. And said, yeah, yeah. You went for a couple of years. You got you know you just took this job. And, right. Uh, so that, that part was hard. I, I knew it was going to be like that. You know, I'm glad it worked out. Absolutely. And you you and I have talked a little bit about this in, in, the, in a couple of times we've been able to catch up uh, over the past couple of years. But were there moments in the locker room? Were there moments in the staff room where, where that, you know, your anxiety about the people's perceptions of you with, with your father being the boss, that you had to take steps, you know, either in, in how you presented yourself, how you presented a scout to prove, no, man, I know what I'm doing. It's not just my name. It's me. I can do this. Yeah, I, I think that's something for, uh, you know, coaches, kids, or people that, you know, that work for their father and other lines of work or mm-hmm. whatever it is. I, no matter how much you don't care, you know, you feel it yeah. a little bit. Um, and I think the, the most important thing for me was I better be really sharp, and i got to be sharper than the guy next to me. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm not, it's just going to, you know, there already is a preconceived notion of what I'm going to be like. Right. Um, and I think that's why I've always come at players 100% real. And I've never tried to, you know, be the guy, you know, what's up, homie? Like, I'm yeah. your buddy from day one. Like, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm me. Yeah. Every day is the same. I'm going to be real with you. And I think I've, I've liked that because of that. What yeah. you're talking about where I just already, people already have a perception of me. Mm-hmm. So I might as well be myself and do the best job I can do. And if that doesn't win out in the end, that's fine. But they're going to respect the fact, you know, that I work at the craft and I care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you carry it with you. And it might be, you know, it might be a positive too because it pushes you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you talked about this a lot uh, early on about the relationship building with players and finding a ways to care about life outside of hoops. What do you use? 
to help craft kind of your communication method? You know, you mentioned obviously you want to be yourself, but in trying to stay up to date, I know for us, you know, in recruiting, trying to stay up to date with what is going to help me connect. Is that you reaching outside? Are you reading books? Are you going articles? Is that just a lot of one-on-one time with your guys in the NBA? What, what are some other methods you're using aside from the whiteboard and a basketball and some cones uh, to connect with players? Yeah, I, I really believe, like, the daily conversation. You know, like, I worked, you know, with Andrew Wiggins and, mm-hmm. and Zach Levine and some of those young guys. Um, you know, and every day we work with them. You know, they come in early for practice, like everybody else, and you do skill development and all that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I really believe there were some days where it was like, hey, let's go in the office. And, and you pushed them a little bit on, you know, what's going on in the world? Like, have you, did you watch the news? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the flip side of that is, you know, hey, man, like, you know, put together, you know, like a, a playlist and give it to me, something I, I probably don't listen to. Mm-hmm. So you, you try to find connection, you mm-hmm. know, and, and sometimes the best part of connection is, is you know, you may, you know, Zach Levine may give me a, a playlist of 10 songs. I may come the next day and say, I, I, I don't like that at all. <laughs> right. But that, that's okay. Yeah. Like that, that's the point is you get to know each other and you build trust and you build a bond, but you're doing it in a real way, an mm-hmm. organic way. It's not a fake hustle, you know, like I'm using you, you're using me kind of right. relationship, which which happens in sports a lot. Yeah. And I, you, you try to you try to work your way around that, and I think it ends up being a, a better working relationship and you get better results. Absolutely. Time management, life balance. You know, I think a lot of people have a conception uh, of NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, of what a coach's life um, has to be in order to be successful. You know, you get the Bill Belichick no days off mantra and then people assume, well, that's what everybody has to do. Is that the case? How are you? I know you've got a wife, a family, kids. What is that balance? Uh, have you found it? Does it? Is that even a word that exists? Talk. Like, I know you and I have talked about it and I, and I was very intrigued by some of your answers, but share a little bit how you've gone about that, both Minnesota, Orlando, everywhere you've been. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. It's, it really is coach to coach. And I worked under, man, this is my, my fourth head coach in four years. So everybody has a different system, and you kind of have to play off them. And then once, once you find out the wiggle room, you know, you, you have to be 100% committed to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's times that it's hard. You know, you, it's, it's hard to, to explain to people where you go on the road and you're up till three or four every night and you get home and, you know, I have two young kids, and they get up at whatever six thirty or yeah. seven, and I slept for two and a half hours. I, there's times I struggle with it, yeah. but you, you have to you have to fight through it. And I have an incredible example, man. Like my dad was, you know, he's coaching in the finals, and they lose the finals, and I'm playing, you know, little league baseball, and there he is in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, like that. He was. Uh, it was like that. That that never was questioned. Like you, you find time. Yeah. No matter how much time you got to put into your job to make it work, that's it. Always comes second. You know, in the end, you mm-hmm. got to find time for the people that are most important to you. Because you know, I get that you work every day, no days off. But then I also see, you know, Coach Popovich, and they, they, that's not that's not the way they do it. Right. So there's there's different ways to do it, and I believe that you if you want to have a fulfilling life. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have the best job in the world and all this stuff, but at some point, that job stops. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have to you have to have balance, and you have to have people that you love around you, and you got to support them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's tough. You're right. It's a 
it's a crazy balance of professional sports and any job where you travel a lot. And then when you're at home, it's, it's on your mind all the time. You've yeah. got to turn it off. Yeah, you yeah. be able to turn it off. That, that is for sure. And, I, and, you know, just personally – Full disclosure, you know, obviously David and I have known each other a long time. His younger brother, Patrick, was on my staff at Willamette University, and, and I can attest to the Adelmans are close. You know, he's not just selling a story here. They're, they're a very close-knit group, the siblings, mom, dad. It, it's impressive to see that, that that type of name, that the weight it carries in basketball, like you're mentioning, it is family first, and, and it has been, and everybody that knows you guys knows, knows that to be absolutely true. Uh, what's next for you? Is it the NBA? Is it big time college hoops? Is it what? What's in your future? What are your professional goals? Yeah, you know, I'd love to be a head coach again. Um, I always say at some level. Uh, obviously, it's all timing and who you know and how things work out for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, man, I, I just you know I just chase the next journey. You know, these I, I you know I always believe that you know Gene sold that to us at Jesuit. I always go back to those days. You know, every season and every group of players, even if it's the same players coming back the next year, it's its own new thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's such a great thing to be able to coach or teach because you, you get a new experience every year. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm chasing. I, I, I want to be a head coach again. I, you know, I, I thought I, I organized it well at that level, uh, and I'd love to try to you know, inundate some of that stuff at any level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I, I honestly, I know that sounds like, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, be crazy off liberal here, but you do chase the next journey. That's yeah. why, that's why we all do this. It's, yep. it's such a great experience, win or lose. You, you learn so much from different people just by being around them every day. Absolutely. The one, one quick NBA tidbit, give us a coach for, for the hoop coaches that are listening to the podcast Give us somebody in the league that people don't realize how good they are as a coach. Uh, I'd say one that's uh, trying to think. You know, Larry Drew is the assistant coach for the Cavs. And I I don't think people realize, you know, how good of an offensive mind he was when he was in Atlanta. Okay. And then even when he was in Milwaukee and they lost 60 games, Mm -hmm. like what he was running and what he was doing – you, you see a lot of teams doing it now. Oh, um, yeah. You know, that, that, that happens in the NBA a lot. You know, guys get their opportunities, and they just end up with a, a group that's young. Or You know, I was around the group in Minnesota with Wiggins and Towns, mm-hmm. and, and I know they traded back as of, you know, a couple months ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it, it, we did a great job with those guys. We developed them. It, it wasn't their time. They right. were young, and they, they were going to win. But, you know, you can do a great job in this league and still, you know, lose 50 games. It's a tough, yeah. it's a tough business. But Larry's won. Um, you know, obviously, I always thought when Mike D'Antoni was going through it in New York and L.A., I always thought that was crazy. I, I just, I've, I've had scouts against his teams when they're playing well, and he is a big-time coach. He obviously won Coach of the Year this year. But, yeah, that's you awesome. know, there's guys that go up and down. They have peaks and valleys. Look at my dad. My dad won a lot. He lost a lot, you know, but... He can coach. Yeah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, is there, I, I know you're probably busy. We always try to give our interview guests uh, a way to get people, if they want to follow them, check up on them. Is there a social media platform you are on? Is it just, hey, pay attention to the magic, catch us on League Pass, and, and follow me there? What's, what's a way to keep up with how you're doing? Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm. you know me well. I, I'm, <laughs> social media is not my thing. Uh, my wife, she's 
tells me about it, but I I think I'd be addicted to it. That's why. No, I that's, I that's done probably it a great way. I understand that because that's probably my uh, wife's number one complaint. I would, I would say, you know, watch you check us out if people get a chance. You know, we're really young, getting better, and if anybody out there, you know, wants to correspond or whatever, like my email's online uh, gotcha. with the magic, and I and I'm, I'm more than willing to, to trade ideas or talk to people. You know, I, I miss that part of the high school culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, we have it in the NBA. We do, uh, but it's it's almost a it's almost a protected thing. You know, I like talking to the people at different levels because the game is coming from the youth. You know, it's coming yeah. up to us, and I, you want to keep you know your your uh, your finger on the pulse of where the game is going. And I think that's the best way to do it. I love going home and watching high school basketball. I yeah. love it, and I, and I can vouch for that too because you've been in my little booth we call the Jerry Jones Suite. Showing a screen roll defenses while a high school tournament's going on. So, and that that is one thing I've always appreciated about it about Coach Adelman is his willingness to just talk shop, no matter when, where. If it's a quick text, if it's a short conversation, if it's a long one at the Ram, uh, basketball and life stories, we're we're not afraid to talk about it. So, hey, Coach, we really appreciate having you on. Uh, everybody, his email is up there, and uh, be sure to check the magic out with that young draft pick. They'll be coming up uh, soon. Thanks, Coach. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. Well, coming off that great interview segment there with a good friend of mine, Coach David Adelman, assistant coach Orlando Magic, uh, here with Kane now. And we always want to do, after we bring on our guests, obviously we wanted you guys to be able to digest some of the things that they talked about and how they answered some of our questions. But I think it's fun for us to always debrief what smart people tell us. Uh, so Kane's had a chance to listen to the interview with David, and uh, he's going to lead us off with a couple observations. And obviously I'll jump in with mine. thought it was a, a great insight into kind of a unique way into the NBA. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, Kip, his dad got him in. But no, I mean, I, I've known him for a long time. Um, and like, like I mentioned in the podcast, ever since we were 22-year-old know-it-alls at Coach Gordy James Pro Classic Camp, which was started by Jack Ramsey, the Hall of Fame coach, uh, you could tell, he, like he mentioned in there, he had a knack for this. Uh, and it's great for me to see him rise and even with his dad retiring, be able to get on with Coach Frank, Frank Vogel and kind of prove himself, so to speak. And I know he mentioned in there that I can do this without just my father's name behind me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was one thing that I took away from, from it for sure was the uh, one quote in particular where it said, I found my voice or he said, I yes. found my voice. Yep. I thought that was an awesome way to put it. That was yeah. an awesome way to really convey that, hey, I found what I wanted to do. Essentially, mm-hmm. I found my passion. Yeah, I think everyone in life, I'd wish and pray for everyone in life to find that somehow, yeah. some way, find your voice. Whatever that voice may be, whatever that uh, area it may be, um, yeah. if you can find that passion and start to chase that passion, uh, everything else will take care of itself. And, uh, and, and I, thought, uh, I like how he did that very well. On that same point, and I, and I think it's key in our industry as being coaches, and uh, but obviously, like you mentioned, in other areas, his voice is he's tr- always trying to make sure it's uniquely his and it's you and it's genuinely his. He's yeah, never right there, yeah. never never playing the role of hey, look at me, I'm the coach. So here's my coaching voice. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, like, and I know it's all exactly. it's always tempting. For us, you know, when you're a younger coach or, or you're in a, a position of management or some other profession, even as a teacher, hey, I have to act this way. No, be yourself yeah. because, like yeah. you mentioned, you you want to be there. That's the place you wanted to exist yep. in. Bring yourself to it. Yep, a hundred percent, man. I want to you know keep going on that point of being yourself, being genuine to who you are. 
a lot of people when they get into this first get into this coaching thing, even the teaching thing, like you said, or any other profession, mm-hmm. you have mentors. You have people that right. you looked up to in that profession. You have mm-hmm. uh, for us, you know, you've we've had coaches uh, that we played for, or coaches that we've coached with, or that have helped us uh, bring us along in this profession. That's great. You need to learn from those people, take things from those people, but you still need to find yeah. your voice in the end. You yep. still need to be who you are. Find your style. Find what makes you great at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Find your niche, essentially. And yep. like you said, stay to who you are. Stay true to who you are, and you're going to go that much farther in this profession, and you're going to be that much more happy yeah. because you're not faking it every day. Right. You're not faking the, or putting this persona on, this fake persona of, of what you think you're supposed to be in whatever mm-hmm. or what you think you're supposed to be perceived as in yep. whatever profession you're in. Yep. You know what I thought was interesting, and I think I counted on there, in the first six, seven minutes, uh, Coach Adelman mentioned seven times the word lucky. Um, and, and I think that's, that's just a great sign of his hu- hu- humility, uh, mm-hmm. recognizing when you've been gifted something that uh, was a great opportunity, whatever whatever area, and then taking advantage of it. I think there's a lot to be said in winning games or, or getting a promotion that we would all like to say we controlled it, and it's a thousand <laughs> times merit-based. It's all because of me. I thought it was awesome to hear him uh, say, you know what, there is some luck here, and I'm very aware of it, and I wasn't going to mm-hmm. squander mm-hmm. you know, that coin flip going my way. Mm-hmm. Uh, 100%. There is always going to be that good fortune that seems to uh, – here's my thing with luck, though. I, I agree with you, but at the same uh-huh. time, good fortune seems to find hard workers yeah, and people yeah, that true. have put in the – have done the little things, have put in the work. Good fortune seems to find them, or luck, as you want to say, it seems to find them a lot more often than those of us that don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, I, th- I think if you put in that work, I agree with you in that, you're much more ready and prepared for that stroke of luck to jump mm-hmm. with it and run with it and make it your own. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what about, mm-hmm. did you learn, did you hear anything in there where he talked about, it sounded like us, you know, Kane and I's father, Cass, I own, yeah. has been a coach yep. and a teacher for 40 years and obviously not on the scale uh, that David's dad, Rick, was as a Hall of Fame caliber NBA coach, uh, but our dad in, in Billings, Montana, is a, is a pretty important figure, Hall of Fame player, Hall of Fame coach uh, at the state level, but I heard what he said, like the initial reluctance, so, yeah, I don't know if I want to coach, I don't want to get into coaching just because my dad does it. Um, yes. I, yeah. I related to that 100%, yet here no we are, question. all no three question. of us. <laughs> <laughs> no question, no question. I, I definitely related to that and, and I felt like uh, as he was talking about that thing I, I started thinking about the same the same uh, thing where yeah here we are in Billings Montana and our dad is this all-american basketball player the legend softball player yeah. amazing <laughs> golf, uh, just a natural at everything he did uh, and you yep. know mr. Basically, the mayor of Billings. Everywhere you go, everybody yeah. knows who our father is, knows our last name because of our father and because of what he did as a, as a teacher and as a coach. And and um, but at the same time, we also felt like we wanted to somehow step out of that to yep. a certain extent. You know right. what I'm saying? Like not yeah. be caught up in well, you're only a basketball yes. player because of your father, or you're right. only a, a whatever. In, in reality. We were um, pursuing all this, these different things, uh, and having that role model and having that example of what it is to be that, I think, only helped us uh, yep. 
want to be what we – it didn't force us. There was no pressure to go that route. It just right. helped us because constantly we got to see the admiration that our father had gotten from all of his players and former students. And I think for myself, that definitely pushed me down that, uh, down that path. Yeah, and I, I really resonated when David was talking later in the interview when I asked him about time management, balancing the family, and he mm -hmm. mentioned what a great model he had in, in, in his father, Rick Adelman, yeah. after yep. losing to Michael Jordan in the Bulls in, in a game <laughs> six, which you know, I mean, like they actually battled the heck out of the Bulls, and there he is at, at, at David's Little League game that he mentioned, an all-star baseball game, yeah. and there's yep. Rick there. You know, showing him, you know, the kind of person, the kind of father you have to be, no matter how successful you are. So, you know, yeah. that was really, uh, I was an impressive story from him, and and, mm -hmm. and good to hear that that's that's possible. You know, yeah. like I think you get a lot of horror stories and the concept of the NBA or the big time and all these coaches, eighty-two games. Mm -hmm. You know, they got separate lives in eighty-two cities. The players, and it's good to mm -hmm. hear that. You know, people can do it the right way if they choose to. So that's always been yes. impressive you to me about the Adelman family. No question. You can be as successful as you want to be in any any given profession and still maintain that balance. I think to me, and, and I, I just recently listened to Coach uh, Chris Peterson over at University of Washington, and he defined success, and, and I, I had it written down, and I forgot it off the top of my head, but I'll have to bring this quote. Um, but he basically what he was saying is everyone's going to have their own definition of success or needs to have their own definition of success and in turn, that allows you to maintain that balance between yep. profession, professionalism or your profession and your life as it is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, what was interesting, too, one thing that caught my attention a bunch, uh, maybe just because, you know, having him having gone through seasons in the NBA where they weren't as successful um, as they probably wanted to be. He mentioned the young kids, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, and now those guys are seeing the fruits of his labor after he's already had to move on. <laughs> you know, that that kind yeah. of resonates as you're a program builder. Um, in your in your in your program, football, basketball, any, anything, uh, the the level of self awareness he kept referring to. Oh, I like love you got to yep. know, you got to know, right? When you have to know yep. when you walk into a room, what's your role in this room? When do yep. you talk in this room? Yep. You got to know you, everything. You got to know you don't know everything, and you never will. That was a quote <laughs> he said, and that was you know that was very refreshing. You can imagine thinking about NBA guys. You know, there's an NBA assistant coach talking to this D three guy who didn't make the tournament last year, and him <laughs> saying. You got to call yourself out and being okay, as he said in quote, okay with making fun of yourself. That was awesome, yep. you know. And for me, uh, knowing him, I knew yep. that was him. But knowing that he's been able to maintain himself despite That's moving awesome. up, that, that was that was great. That's awesome. No, I love that. I love self awareness. I love. I refer to it as just uh, just football terms. Doing a, a very good self scout. Right. And yes, yep. that's a great after, term. After every game. After every practice, basically, but after every game, you self-scout the game. You make sure, hey, you know, was did we call the right things? Did we prepare our guys the right way? I think you have to do that in life. I think mm -hmm. you have to self-scout as you're going through life. Um, right. And I, I, I agree with what you're saying as far as the, the quote, know what room you're in. I thought that was yes. awesome. Well, that's got to be something that's happened to you. Having moved from Montana State as you know, assistant head coach, having been at DC, and now you're at UW, we're kind of back at the bottom of that of that totem pole. You probably don't get to be in a meeting room the same way you used to be in there. <laughs> There's no question. There's no yeah. question. Talking to my fiance Carrie about that tonight, where it, it is that's a big part of this transition for me is just taking that step back and mm -hmm. realizing that I'm walking into a room that I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. 
coming into it. And I need to sit back and observe and take diligent notes and, and just really um, know that, hey, I don't know everything anymore. Uh, not that I ever knew yeah. everything, but I, I'm not as comfortable in this position because it's a brand new position. And yeah. so in turn, and to get myself back to more comfortable, I've got to take, take a step back and uh, really know what room I'm in. Before we wrap up this reaction segment, Kane, anything else that's, that stuck you from, from David? Anything on the side? You know, I, you know, I know he's a he's player development. He's now an assistant coach, but he started off in that player development where he mm -hmm. was dealing with a lot of young kids. Yeah, and I thought that was what was I took very – uh, a high interest in um, just when he's talking about dealing with players and just a range of players that he's dealt with over the course of his career, starting at high school level, freshman, sophomore, junior, seniors in high school, making the jump to the NBA level where now you're talking potentially older players than you yeah. that are making millions of dollars right. and have been in the league however many years, and they're looking at you like, really, what, what are you going to teach me? And then on the flip side of that, he talked about, oh, wait a second, that guy just was traded. Now I got to deal with this kid they just drafted who's now 19 years old. Yeah. And having to that's deal with that. Uh -huh. and, and I thought, though, just dealing with players and dealing with just generational gaps, mm -hmm. I thought was is very interesting. And, and some of the ideas that he had. Yeah. On how to do that, I thought. You was know, awesome. I like, did you like the ledger? He talked about a Sunday night ledger, which was basically. Yep checklist of here's Johnny what did I talk to him about this week yep that, yep. that was a pretty powerful thing and then I think that he said was, something uh, about playlists didn't he yep he, he, he talked about, about music. Uh, music he talked about one way that he found he could find a connection and I thought that was important that word right there is connection and that's something that uh, we emphasize within our program um, within our coaching and teaching is finding that connection with your players and he brought up an idea or an example of finding connection by just asking a, a player to make him a playlist. Hey, mm -hmm. can you make me a playlist of 10 songs that you feel are the, the best songs out or the most important songs to you or anything along those lines? Uh, make me a playlist and then actually genuinely listening to that playlist and coming back and talking to that player about it, mm -hmm. it automatically gives you a conversation point. Yeah. I like how he said too, I'll come back and tell him I hated it because that's still me. It's being genuine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I didn't like it, I'm going to tell him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No question. And I'll be honest, nowadays, most of the music that my players that I deal with are, are going to probably make me, I'm yeah. not going to like it. I'm not going <laughs> to like a majority of the songs. And it you doesn't matter. It's just, it is what it is. I am, yeah. I'm coming to that point in my life where I don't like music, but the music that I listened to growing up in college yep. and a little bit after college. And I'm stuck in that genre. And I, that's all I'm listening to nowadays. I can't handle the new stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. You're not a panda, panda, panda guy. I'm not a panda, panda guy. I can't do the panda stuff. I can't do the, the only stuff I, I in the, uh, every other song that, that is the big hit. That's just a, all it is, is a dance song. Well, it is probably going to have Bieber on it as the hook. You know, that, yes, that, that just there's no, and I'm here. I go. I'm complaining about the music today. today. I, I just well, don't hey, feel before, like there's any substance to it. 
Well, speaking of that, you know, and we want to make sure everybody takes a listen to that interview. We just had a reaction segment about uh, Orlando Magic assistant assistant coach David Adelman. Uh, check it out in the previous uh, couple of minutes on the time stream of this episode one podcast. But that's a great segue talking about David's playlists uh, and Kane's hatred of today's music into our way back <laughs> when segment coming up next. Uh, we're going to we're going to talk about music in the way back segment and, and how you go about even listening to the stuff that Kane hates uh, and trying to get the stuff we like from back in the day. So stay tuned. More coming up, episode one, Cross the Stream podcast. All right, so we're back, and I wanted to continue on the subject of music. And how you actually do that, right. uh, the consumption of music, I guess you could say. Uh, yeah. Where to even buy music. Um, right. Back in the day, it used to go to the mall and go to Sam Goody's. Mm-hmm. In Hastings, yep. and that's where you got. I was about to say Hastings. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes, that's where you bought the music. Mm-hmm. You went to the music store. You went to a store yep. where you had to look up the genre that you were looking for, and you had to flip through the little cassette tapes or uh-huh. the uh, CDs, uh, whatever generation you're from, or the vinyl records that are yep. still out there. Uh, but you had to literally go and buy the album at an at an album store, and if it was the parental advisory, you had to have an ID in order to do it. Absolutely. Uh, and you remember when they, they that, that started to change a little bit when that booklet came out. I don't remember the name of the company. Nick Carpenter, <laughs> if he's listening, he was the first to get forty seven CDs for like for twenty five ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got hooked on that same little scam. Yeah, and you had it, to it, fill it, out the little it, little card. It was it was like. <laughs> It was the original like Netflix deal. Yep. To a certain extent. To a certain right. extent. Where you exactly like you said it was like a little booklet, pamphlet, catalog. You could flip through it, fill out your little card of what music you wanted. And that the yep. great deal was the first deal that you got, you got like some absurd amount, like nineteen oh, cassettes yeah. or albums for nineteen dollars. And you were in. Yep. yep, I got it. Yep. And then they got you from that point on. That point <laughs> on it was freaking it was like <laughs> 20 bucks a month or some crazy deal and you barely got any music. Yep. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Well, that's how people, I think that's how people made in for my group in like 95, 96, 97. That's how people made the transition from cassette to CD so quick. Like I didn't mm-hmm. jump in on that deal because mom and dad were like, nah, you don't need that. I don't know how you weaseled your way into it, but <laughs> I know those guys, they were lucky enough to have a disc changer in their car. So they had like a three-disc changer. <laughs> and they had all those Oh, the disc albums. changer. Yes. yes. I, I'll tell you this right now. Like, the times have changed to where I think back in the day, you could still argue. Like, we could still argue Tupac albums. Or you yeah. could go back and argue even people like Garth Brooks. You knew his albums because you the, had to buy them. Because you had to I actually listen give, to the albums. That's the other thing. Right. Where I couldn't give you a Kendrick Lamar album. I could give no. you a song. I can't give I can't give you an album name. I can't give you J. Cole's no last album name. Can't do it. No. Nor nope. could I know could I name you any other song that's not some not one nope. of his big hits that was that's right. played on a loop right. over and over again on my satellite XM radio. That's yep. the only in song. In mine I for know. me, it's on YouTube Watch Later because I have it on in my office because on my phone I have a droid and I don't want to waste memory with my <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> so, so what do I got? Uh, I've got it. a 30, 30 it's unbelievable. It's not like back in the day when we had to buy cassettes because we had the uh, cassette players yep. in, in the in the cars and in the, in the Bronco, yep. the Ford white Bronco that we rolled around in. And, and yep. the uh, cassette players that I used to 
shoot hoops to out in the uh, had a oh, plane yeah. in the garage as I played hoops nonstop. And you just put the cassette in, hit play, and you had to listen to every song yep. unless you wanted to take the time to actually go up and hit the fast forward or rewind button. And you had right. to time it up. You could fast forward for, you know. Yep however many minutes till that song was done and try and stop it and play it at the exact moment the next song started. Yep. That was a skill. That was literally a skill. <laughs> it that was. And make that and press and record on the radio when you mm. didn't have the album, the tape, but you wanted that Boys to Men End of the Road song, remember? Yep. And you knew it was yep. going to be on Y93 at yep. 907 because it was going to be number one for the next nine weeks. Hit record mm. on the <laughs> di District 2 um, jukebox that Dad bought ho brought home and hit record. You could get it. <laughs> I mean, it was, it's crazy. I even think yep. about this. I would think even go back to 2005 and mm -hmm. you would go to iTunes when an album was out and you would make yourself listen to the first, what, 42 seconds of a song yeah. on an you album. Had to preview it. You had to preview yeah. every album or yep. every song. And you'd go, yep. nah, so you didn't have to listen to everything. You could cut it down to, I want to listen to the hook. Or I want to jump to the middle. Now mm -hmm. you can't even do that now. I can't get Jay-Z's album. I don't have a title. <laughs> I, I, I can't preview nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so flustered the other day when I was trying to figure out how I can listen to Jay-Z's new album. Because yeah. all I wanted I, to do in my just old habits is I wanted yep. to drive down to Target, go out, yep. buy the album, yep. and put it in my CD player, and listen mm -hmm. to the entire album, drive around and listen to the entire album, and then right. I'll tell you my opinion on the album. Right. Can't do it. And I can't do that. Nope. Because, first of all, it's hard enough to just get to Target. Mm -hmm. You may or may not find it. <laughs> there and then i don't have a dang cd player in my car anymore right why would you make them you in the car nope you've got your auxiliary cord plug-in and that's it yep but what if you don't have enough data in your plan to be streaming your music while you're driving then you're screwed then i you got screwed. that problem right now i try to listen to youtube let's say i want to listen to a tupac throwbacks i don't have it on my phone but kelly's gonna <laughs> check my data plan and i'm not gonna be able to play that more than twice or i'm gonna be in trouble so once that's again, it. what am I listening to? Hopefully this podcast, because nothing else is on my phone. <laughs> that's it. Hopefully you got this podcast downloaded or streaming. Yep. You got to make yep. a choice. Which one do you yep. want? Are you going to download or are you going to stream? Right. Are you a streamer or are yep. you a downloader? That's how. It, that's all it is today. You're either a it's streamer or a downloader. I, I don't know. Like you said, if it's not on, if it's not trending on YouTube videos when my kids are on YouTube trying to find something to watch, I haven't heard it then. Like somebody's yeah. like, oh, Jay Z's album is a response to Beyonce's album. Uh, what album was that? Because I don't have anything since she put out Naughty Girl in 2007, and I could download the damn thing on iTunes. I'm still listening to Replaceable. You know, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still unstuck on that one. To the left, to the left. Right. That's where I'm at. What, did she do it at the Super Bowl? Because I heard that song. Is that on this album? Uh, it you, doesn't yeah, make any sense, man. It's hard as hell to listen to any live albums. That's for damn sure. Oh yeah, you can, I. I don't know how like they I don't know how musicians are faring and I'm sure somebody out there is smarter than us that knows the economics of the business oh, but yeah. I can't imagine the, if we're frustrated as consumers imagine their level of frustration trying to get their stuff out you know mm -hmm. especially when they spend the time making an album you might as well just be DJ Khaled make one song make sure That's it gets it. on rotation throw put Bieber on it every mm -hmm. other time put Chance on it then mix mm -hmm. in somebody else and you'll be famous there's gotta, it's going to be interesting to see you mentioned that as far as the amount of one hit wonders that are the uh -huh. because of the result of where we're at as far as how yep. we consume music is, right. the, is the, the amount I'd like to see a study on that uh, in however many years to see 
if the amount of one hit wonders has just skyrocketed because of that, because right. you don't listen to albums anymore. And all people I know, are, I really are one hit wonders. I have a laptop from, oh my gosh, 2003 of mm-hmm. one of the first Apple Apple books. I, mean, I don't know what the hell they're called, but it has our iTunes account on it and it has all the songs, you know, that you, you, that you jump when you first had iTunes and you burned all your CDs onto yep. it. Yep. So you have got the same deal. That machine can't ca- calculate two plus two anymore, but I refuse to get rid of it until mm-hmm. I figure out a way to transfer yeah. all those songs somewhere. Because otherwise, uh, I will never get them back unless I watch YouTube for a month straight and just uh, yep. videotape it. Uh, I don't know what else to do. I've got every album or CD that I've – not every one, but I've tried to put as many of it, download it, and I'm the same way. I've all got on an external hard drive that just sits there and just looks at me and waits for me to listen to it at some point in its life. <laughs> right? I know. We're about to drive to Montana, right? My family, we're going to go back to see yeah. mom and dad. I got their 20-year reunion. We should be listening. Like, oh, I want to drive. I should be able to have like, hey, put in such and such. No, we're talking about audio books <laughs> that we're going to listen to, which is yeah. actually more appealing than trying to figure out how not to spend $25 streaming something I want to play. Exactly. I, I, there's no more music. I don't know. How do kids do romance? There's no mixtapes. You can't make a mixtape. Oh, there's what no way. <laughs> send a mixed link. What, yeah. what do you send? To, what do you send? <laughs> I made uh, Kelly a mix, a mixtape. I'm pretty sure a miss DVD, a CD, yeah. and that was 99, 2000. It was quasi romantic, even though she didn't like any songs. <laughs> what do they do now? I have no idea. That's a great question. <laughs> what do well, they do? <laughs> that's a whole other topic. That is a whole other topic. Yeah, you're a good point. Romanticism good point. and and uh, and that whole deal. But that's a good point. I would agree. Well, that's a that's a good one. That's that's a great subject. If, if viewers out there, listeners, if you can just feel free. If you're like, you know what, you two are idiots. This is a lot easier than you two are making it. Feel free to DM us because I would love to have Please. music in my life. Let me know. I don't work out Let to music know. anymore. I'm just out there. There I am. Just me. I and guess, my thoughts. And you know what? I, I guess I'll just, I'll just Google it. That's or, or YouTube. It. There you go. Because it is. You I'm, can learn how to do everything on either Google or YouTube. That's right. We were just talking about that today. That's a whole that's another subject. A whole other subject. Yep. I'm gonna save it. See you on the other side, Ray.